Hey everyone, just before we jump into the podcast, I want to let you know about an exclusive trailer we have got to share with you right after today's show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. It's all narrated by Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's Always Cheating podcast. From Haaland to Zlatan to Messi to Rapone, there are so, so many more that they will be covering. It's going to be fantastic. I'm a big soccer fan, really looking forward to tuning into each one of those. And each episode will focus on historical plays and the personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned right after the podcast and check out Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcast. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by BetOnline.ag and the FFPC. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Road of His. Really looking forward to today's show, Sean. We are, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, we're just one day into the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I know you were part of the the podathon as well with the guys over there um over the last couple of days i was on yesterday uh, evening uh, it would have been evening my time uh, i've lost track of all time of what <laughs> where it is elsewhere in the world but i know you're one of the first guests uh with curtis i was one of the, the later guests and so we had a, a good road of his representation on it it was a lot of fun being on with the guys but we're going to talk quite a bit about the the scott fishbowl and how we've gone early in our drafts on today's show and i'm looking forward to to going through that um sean how are you uh going this week good like you said it's fun to uh be involved with sfb right now it was great to be on the podcast and we'll talk about some of these players some of these tactics how they apply to some other formats so whether you're drafting an sfb you're looking at something else all of these things can help us really define and improve our tactics in some other formats so we want to take the lessons from there figure out how we can apply them we'll also discuss a little bit again today the ffpc dynasty startup draft that curtis and i are participating in and look at some specific players and see where we think that these guys are going to go and more importantly how good we think they're going to be both this year and these coming years so with that in mind it's a good time to start with the ffpc stat attack and the guy that i wanted to bring out today is zach Ertz. right he went in the fifth round of our dynasty startup i think that makes uh, some sense there given his age but a guy who probably is undervalued in other formats he's currently the 308 in ffpc best ball and just to run through kind of where he's been the last couple years right over the last two years at the tight end position he leads in targets per game he leads in receptions per game he leads in expected points per game he's tied with kelsey and he's ahead of kittle in touchdowns per game in terms of how that translates into scoring in the ffpc format over the last two years, you look at Travis Kelsey up there with the extremely impressive 20.4 points per game. Zach Ertz sitting just below him at 19.4, uh, Kittle at 18.9. So you see that Ertz is sliding in there. You go to the best ball win rate explorer. You see that last year he was at a 12% win rate, the year before 19%, the year before that 16%. Zach Ertz is giving you value 
every season his top six percentages are even gaudier over 60 percent last year over 70 percent in 2017 and 2018 so Zach Ertz, somebody I think who also is going to fit into our discussion coming up here in a second. But Zach Ertz, win rates, high scoring, where he fits uh, in terms of the ranks over the last couple of years. So the whole Zach Ertz profile there is your FFPC stat attack for today. Yeah, and it's strange when you talk about Zach Ertz. I think we'll, we will talk about him a little bit more. Uh, one of the early picks for one of us, uh, and and the Scott Fishbowl. But just looking at his stats, you know, over his five seasons in a row with over uh, a minimum of 106 targets uh, over that time and a minimum of 74 receptions in the last five years. So he's somebody who has had a triple digit targets um each of the last five years you know last year might be seen by some for for some reason as a down year he did have a monster target number of 156 uh two seasons ago went, went down to 135 last season but did play one game less um last year did have 88 receptions almost a thousand yards six touchdowns so you know I, I think people are vastly over over thinking things when you know zach Ertz is starting to to drop a little bit in adp so we'll talk a little bit more about him uh, as the show goes on a little bit later but you did mention the ffpc stat attack that is brought to you by the ffpc the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry including dynasty baseball and of course the world famous ffpc main event to learn more or to join the league head on over to myffpc.com that's myffpc.com and of course on the website check out all those great tools designed specifically for ffpc domination sean we're going to talk about the pros versus joes we did mention it on uh, i believe it was the show before last week um the draft's obviously going on with the dynasty format the slow draft can take a little bit of time to go through the process but thankfully one of my favorite things in those startups and in the the dynasty you know when you're looking at um rookie drafts you have those eight hour clocks or possibly 12 hour clocks to give you that time between picks to make those trades to make those decisions what to do and uh, you have been making quite a handful of trades over the the last week or so and the pros versus joes and some very very interesting ones some of them maybe a little bit fortunate the one that i know you're going to talk about in a moment with cam newton uh landing with uh being on the clock when that news broke uh, obviously a nice a nice advantage but lots of amazing trades i have to say pulling off some great values and ending up with quite a quite a high volume of uh, kind of first and second round uh adp talents on that roster so i'll let you give a bit of background into the the roster if you want and uh, we'll dive in then to some of the moves made over the the last couple of couple of days yeah so we discussed last week how cam newton signed right as we were on the clock at 901 in our ffpc stat attack was the huge uh jump he had gotten in adp right away just over those first couple of days so we were on the clock there at the 901 already 25 quarterbacks had been picked we needed a third qb obviously if cam newton jumps in there and is right back to his 2018 self you pull up the nfl stat explorer and you can see a big line of green there 57 percent of his 2018 starts finished as qb one weeks averaged over 22 points per game certainly now we're dealing with a situation where you have that shoulder injury you've got the foot injury healthy in theory rehabbing those a little bit of an interesting fit in terms of what he will do with the patriots perhaps running a little bit less as his career develops and then you have to match that 
with the passing where we've talked on the show before that his short area accuracy perhaps a little bit iffy if you're trying to work with a julian edelman maybe that's a problem if you're trying to develop a Nikhil harry maybe that is a problem also could be very very good for harry someone we did pick up later in the draft but we decided we had a guy a few picks later that we really wanted and so we went ahead and made a trade here we Gave up the 901, which is where Newton went. He would have been our pick if we had stayed on the clock. Also, the ninth pick in the 10th round and a future round three for a pick just a few spots later. We moved up into round nine from that round 10 pick and we got back a 2021 round two. So improving our future pick a little bit there. Colin, before we get into sort of the direction that we went with that 904, do you like this trade or is Newton sort of a home run now in super flex leagues? Is he going to be one of those run pass quarterbacks uh, who you know, finishes in the top 10? Is he going to get back to where he was now that he's with the Patriots? Newton's one of those ones at this exact moment in time there's such a wide range of outcomes for him you know depending on his health if, if Cam Newton's healthy plays you know the majority of the season say he plays 15-16 games with his ability that he's shown throughout his career he's probably going to finish in those kind of top eight quarterbacks uh, based on the rushing ability obviously there's a huge change there's so many question marks changing to New England do they use him in that way you know obviously the expectation is now that he you know clearly goes in and wins the starting job but with the contract he's received there's no huge you know problem if, if the Patriots don't start him so you could see a situation where come you know eight ten weeks that Stidham is still going to be that quarterback starting in week one and see how long that lasts throughout the season so he could become somebody who doesn't really have a huge amount of value in 12 weeks time i had cam newton and i still have him on a couple of rosters that i you know had had him on and there's been some offers coming in but they're they're quite low and it's one of those things at this moment in time until the offer would be appropriate i would hold on to him but i don't think he's necessarily somebody i'm buying i don't think you're gonna like the confidence just isn't there that he's gonna deliver on the expectations that have been set um, over the last couple of days since it happened but I, I think the move that you made is, is smart I can also see why acquiring him would be a, a smart decision as well but with his injury history and with how much of a beating he has taken over his career he's you know playing the quarterback position almost like a linebacker uh, it could possibly just have taken a toll on him so if he's healthy uh, he's a he's a home run like you asked if he's not healthy this here's a home run trade for you so it, it, this could swing dramatically over the the next 12 weeks and throughout the season and it could change multiple times if he doesn't start the season it's one value if he's starting the season after week six it's a different value because obviously you're looking then moving forward and it is a contract that you know he might only be in new england for one year and you know if it doesn't work out from in new england it might be the last opportunity that happens so uh it's, it's one that's definitely uh we'll see in the future hindsight will be 2020 when it comes to this one uh, the one thing i do think is interesting is the trade you made i think it's a, a very good trade because we're going to talk in a moment about why you drop back but you know basically for the for the listeners you know when you're listening into some of the the trade spots it can be hard to, to, to follow along but basically dropping back three spots in round nine to move up you've moved up 10 spots in round uh you know nine ten range so there's a big jump there and the players are going to be available to you and then moving a full round um you know in next year's draft in 2021 so i think a lot of a lot of smart uh, decisions made with with that particular trade um but I think there's just too many question marks around Cam Newton um, with, with the move to New England. 
Yeah, this could definitely really blow up on us if he has the big season that seems very, very possible here. I think that the reason we made this trade is we had a guy we wanted that we were originally getting ready to pick, and then the trade happened. And by moving down, we thought we could still get him, and we did. And that player is Gardner Minshew. Now, Minshew, you get a a guy who, as opposed to someone in his 30s, maybe has some injuries. You get this young guy, but definitely still unproven and things that go a lot of different directions in Jacksonville. Curtis and I debated a little bit what we thought the odds were that Minshew would end up as the longtime starter here. And finally, what we came to is that even though we do have some concerns, we think that the upside here, what Minshew did in his starts in 2019 was so impressive that we wanted to go ahead and take the shot. Now, here's a guy who finished as QB 17 on a pure, on a per game basis he was 15th in terms of expected points per game fantasy points over expectation drops down a few notches to 21st but holds right in there where he was in terms of his volume 20th in attempts 21st in completions you know someone who was certainly holding his own there as a rookie he generated six qb1 finishes including in weeks 15 and 17 after he returned to the starting lineup when they went back away from Foles. and the thing that really jumps out uh, when we look at how those top qbs are getting it done right now he was fifth last year in rushing yards so if he could be what you might consider a very, very poor man's Andrew Luck, someone who is getting it done with the arm, someone with that great leadership ability. Certainly he's got a little bit of that swagger that you like to see from the franchise quarterback, has a lot of personality. Then you add those rushing yards and he starts to become very intriguing. And so got those additional weapons later in the draft. And we'll talk about this on Thursday. We took LaVisca Chenault. We think that he fits in very nicely with DJ Chark and some of the other guys that they have there little bit of an upgraded coaching situation then you add the rushing upside the fact that Foles is no longer there we had him more as a round six or seven value now again this isn't super super flex and it's with all those caveats that it could really blow up on us but we liked Minshew as a 2020 guy but also someone who if he can continue to do what he did last year maybe has value for many years to come He's somebody as well, Sean, that like coming in as a, a young player, you know, not much expected from last year, sixth round uh, pick as a rookie, um, and then obviously stepped in after that falls injury in week one and and really kicked things off. Now there was some weeks in there where you know there was definitely growing pains, but um, I, I I seen enough that I was impressed and that the rushing ability as well is really going to push that up. I think if you're looking between the two players here that we're talking about in Newton and in Minshew. I would be taking the the chance on Minshew based both on his age profile um, and what we've seen last year. I think there's more room to grow um, with Minshew. I think like if we get to Cam's highest outcome this year, it's going to be what we've seen previously. We we know what Cam can do. Um, the one concern, I suppose, when you look at the overall stats would be in terms of completion percentage. Um, you know, is kind of in that uh, third third tier in terms of where where the quarterbacks were falling. Um, so I, I think that's the one thing there but I think the volume for this offense there's going to be enough pass attempts and I think with the rushing ability too that'll cover up a lot of those uh, possible cracks but we've talked uh, a number of times Sean on the show about that second year leap from quarterback so I think uh, Minshew definitely an interesting candidate this year and if we can get Minshew Mania going as well again this season I think it, it brings a lot of fun to the NFL in general. 
Before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at betonline.ag. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events and there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Get on the action on this week's big UFC fight or check out the odds for NASCAR, Formula One and even the Premier League and uh, obviously a big UFC fight card coming up this weekend. Can't wait to get involved in the action on that. Some late changes happening obviously over the last couple of days. BetOnline.ag has all the best lines for the action. Can't wait for your team to come back. BetOnline has futures odds including win totals, division winners and even league championships. Or check out the daily simulation for Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE bet online your online wagering experts welcome into rotoviz radio i'm dave cabin host of the rotoviz fantasy football podcast i wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting rotoviz radio we love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them as a thank you royal podcast listeners can get 10 percent off of a one-year rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020 RV Radio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. So Sean, time to talk a little bit about the Scott Fishbowl, how things are, are running through here for us so far. Um, obviously, we talked with Scott last week. Uh, we had two podcasts. It was uh, a lot of fun recording those. Talked about some of the pieces up on the website, but um, obviously people still doing a heavy amount of research as we're in the early days of the draft so far. Um, Blair and Hassan, both with fantastic pieces up on the website. You know, I've been playing uh, before every pick with the win the flex tool uh, for Blair with the, the specialist points set up for SF bx as well so it's been it's been very very interesting um obviously blair did talk um, you know about the possibility in last week's article of starting five tight ends in a row to start the draft i didn't quite go five tight ends uh, i have two in the top uh, my top three picks but also some of the work that um was done this past week blair was saying that you know the the efficiency at the tight end position maybe waiting too later in the draft is the smarter way to go so we'll, we'll see how it plays out for me but so far uh, myself and uh, Sean have gone heavy, heavy, heavy at uh, tight end. So between the two of us, so far <laughs> there's seven picks. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure the listeners wouldn't guess Sean as to how many tight ends have uh, have been picked between us, but uh, <laughs> five is that total number. Um, so obviously, um, thinking the the value of tight end is is sufficient here, Sean. I think so. Blair's article on the on the on the super heavy tight end approach was just too fun to not do this. And one of the things that you can do in a tournament of format like SFB is to do something a little bit unique, a little bit odd, uh, maybe just off the wall and, and experimental to where certainly you want to win, right? Anybody who can get into the SFB playoffs, if you can get into that top ten uh, in the full season scoring you know if you could win the overall title all of those things would be a lot of fun but it also gives you an opportunity to play around a little bit with some different things that you might not feel comfortable doing in one of your money drafts or your home league where you feel like you definitely have to beat you know your college buddies that kind of thing and so looking at that looking at the way the tight end score looking at the win rates which we'll talk about in a second as it relates to some of the other formats that you can apply some of this stuff to very 
encouraging numbers for the tight end. So it got to my first pick. I thought that it was Travis Kelsey might drop to the 109, which is where I am. And then it would be a tricky choice between Kelsey, Kittle, and Drew Brees. Drew Brees got talked last week about the different ways to reward the elite quarterbacks, uh, the sack numbers, the completion numbers. Brees is one of those guys, I think we all know how good that he is. I think that we all sort of remember uh, the game last season where he broke the single game completion percentage record he's a guy who completes a lot of passes right but it still is a little bit surprising when you go in there and see that the gap from lamar jackson to breeze last year in this format was there right but the gap between breeze and then everybody else down to number three was even a little bit larger you then go back and look at 2018 the gap from uh, Mahomes to Breeze was there but then again the gap from Breeze to these other guys sizable 27 points a game each of the last two seasons I think that with that offense really maturing with Emmanuel Sanders coming in perhaps giving them that last piece of the puzzle you wouldn't necessarily expect Breeze to be able to maintain the extraordinary numbers that he's had over the past couple of seasons but at the same time Drew Breeze has been fantastic for a long 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 time so for me, once Kelsey was off the board, Breeze was the choice, gives that incredibly high, safe floor in a situation where you need to address quarterback at some point early in the draft. And then I was lucky enough that Travis, or I mean, that George Kittle fell to me with the fourth pick in round two. I've been seeing him go off the board in the first round very consistently, including in your draft. Colin, you had an opportunity to take a different player in round one and you got that superstar tight end yeah um we did talk about it obviously on last week's show and um i like i like i like to live by what i'm kind of preaching and so i i kelsey fell to me i was picking one spot earlier than you sean i was at the eighth spot now i was thinking i was going to have an interesting decision because alvin kamara went off the board at number seven i think if he had a fell i think i would have went the route of kamara and then i think i would have looked then to go that tight end in round two um so kelsey though uh, landed to me at spot eight i think that was fair i think i've said this a couple of times in the show i think when you're comparing him and kittle i think just the volume that kelsey gets the consistency that we've seen over the years with him you know patrick mahomes what that offense can do uh, versus what we've seen with the, the 49ers offense which has been more run based maybe that'll change this year but i, I think we're going to see something similar yet again um so that was the way i went with travis kelsey uh, you mentioned uh, you got kittle uh, in a fantastic spot he actually went pick number 11 in the, my draft uh, and then on the wraparound i was hoping i was hoping that breeze might sneak his way back to me but that that didn't happen at the 201 he went and russell wilson went both people i was interested in uh, when it got back then to the 205 i had a couple of options i was interested in uh, kyler murray who we talked about last week and deshaun watson the other player that was in the mix for me was Miles sanders and i do think that when you look at how these drafts are progressing and doing some research before the draft it did feel like you needed to get uh, you know one of those running backs if you were going to get them before that kind of midpoint off the off the second round and um, so that that was Miles sanders the reason i went for him is i think he should have went a little bit higher in this draft he went behind nick chubb he went behind joe mixon he went behind derrick henry 
Um, so I was just like at that point, I thought that was the the value pick, and went into the win the flex uh, tool as well uh, to lock in through it. And I just thought it was the the best decision to go with Sanders there. When we wrap around, then Sean, <laughs> I mentioned at the start of the show that uh, we were going to talk a little bit about Zach Ertz later in the show. Um, I hadn't seen your fourth pick at that point, and uh, or your third pick. Sorry, your third pick and my third pick are, are the exact same. Uh, it's Mr. Zach Ertz uh, going off the board for me at the trio eight for Sean at the uh, trio nine i think when we got to that point um i think that's a pretty simple pick based on the players who were in that range the only other position i would have went for at that point was quarterback based on what was available um at at the running back position i think there's just a lot of good wide receivers left at that point had you any other players in mind when you took Ertz? my other players that would have been in mind would have been uh, purely quarterback related but they're still on the board as we get uh, two picks away from my next pick so i think the right call was there but uh, had you any other players in mind over edge the other player i was looking at and i think looking at some other drafts it might have worked better to have taken deandre hopkins in the third round hope the Ertz came back in the fourth round certainly been chatting with some people today who had that shot at Ertz in round four hopkins someone I expect to really blow up in Arizona and challenge to be the overall wide receiver one. It'll be that question of, you know, does Michael Thomas come down at all? Can you close that gap back up? But if you look at the numbers for players like Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, if they can jump back into that spot with Michael Thomas this next year, you're going to have a number of elite wide receiver one types of players who can really lead your team from the wide receiver spot. However, when you look at Ertz here and you, talk, and you talk about those numbers that we had at the beginning of the show, it really is a no-brainer, right? In this format, Ertz just below 18 points per game last year. Go back to 2018, just below 23 points per game. So extraordinary numbers from him, very good consistency. And when you look at what he is going to do this season, the situation that he finds himself in, certainly he's got that number two tight end who's going to take away some of the looks, but the offense is still going to revolve around those tight ends. They're going to lead the way in terms of what they're doing in the passing game. Now, if they can get anything from Deshaun Jackson, I think that'll be a bonus. That'll stretch the field. But again, that'll help the efficiency of those tight ends underneath. If they get something from Jalen Rager, That'll be great. I think that they will. We like him as a prospect. His numbers look great uh, in the box score scout. They look great in the wide receiver prospect lab. But big impacts from rookies in 2020 could be very difficult, which with the way this season uh, looks like it's going to go, right? But I like those guys. I think that they will make a contribution, but maybe the best contribution that they'll make is just to draw some of that defense. If you watch the Eagles over the last couple of years, they have been peppering Ertz with targets, but it's difficult for him to catch the ball and run because he's double teamed he's triple teamed they have the defense completely designed to take him away if that defense suddenly has to deal with a couple of elite deep threats some guys with some big time speed certainly if rager emerges as their star mid-season i think you're going to still see those big target numbers to earth and suddenly that yardage efficiency that main area where he has trailed kelsey and kittle over the last two years come jump back up so even if the targets go down Ertz's numbers have been so gaudy in that department that it can be tricky to maintain at that level I think that there are going to be some efficiency benefits that offset that Carson Wentz primed for a big season in an offense that should be better 
again. So I think that the trends that maybe hold Ertz down and are pushing him down in some of these drafts, there are counterbalancing forces that I, I think are very positive for him. You look at his history, you look at the consistency, you look at the upside. He, he's just such a safe, but still very high scoring pick in this area. Yeah. And the one thing that you, you hinted out there, the one thing the Eagles team had last year was injured players. And the one thing it didn't have was any speed, uh, you know, no deep, deep tread really, uh, just didn't open things up and that's one thing we do see for somebody like Kittle like Kelsey you know the yards after the catch and it's just not hasn't been possible for Ertz or for Goddard I guess when you're you're sprinkling him in there but I think Ertz uh, in the third round in this kind of you know tight end premium format is uh, a really really easy pick to to go with Uh, I was very very happy to get him there Um, we may as well Sean because I haven't made my fourth pick yet uh, as you move forward then uh, another tight end you took off the board uh, and that was darren waller so you mentioned you had thought about hopkins he was the next pick off the board after Ertz, then chris godwin then odell beckham then melvin garden then matt ryan then uh, edwards hellier and then we had darren waller so when it was waller at that point uh, was there any other players uh, in your mind uh, at that uh, kind of four, 404 pick there were there are a handful of wide receivers here and i think that you can make the argument that i should have gone receiver picking waller is a little bit of a fun pick again kind of leaning into this idea of taking all the tight ends i do think at some point the need for other players within my division to grab some of those guys to get a starter in this very tight end heavy format will pull up some of the people or create some values for me later but there are a lot of wide receivers that are still going to go in these next four or five rounds we're sort of into the range where qb is flat i'll need to address that as well probably going to go very extremes you're running back grab some running backs late talked on the potathon about some of the guys that are on the zero running back list from for this year frequent listener to the show know some of those guys we're targeting they should be there late i really like them in this format because if you load up on these other positions and scott talked about how he wanted to balance this out if you have everything set but running back and hassan talked about this in his article where he's actually gone so you're running back in several of the seasons that had a format uh, scoring format that was almost identical that led him to the playoffs if you have that dynamic where a starting running back or a running back who is going to get those early down touches those goal line touches falls into a starting role by midseason with this type of setup in this league then suddenly you're looking at a sort of juggernaut that that can't be stopped and so i like that way of putting together the team in this format especially again if you're locked out of those top five guys i love those top five guys i think there's a lot of risk outside of that i don't want to pay for those players waller at tight end is someone i actually think who has a lot bigger threat to him than Ertz does in terms of being able to maintain the volume from last season. Waller, obviously not someone who has established himself with as many dominant years as Ertz. And so I think there's plenty of risk with Waller there, but someone who, you know, if he can still be the guy, and again, the Raiders have a lot of talent coming in. That talent should force the defense to adjust for some more people, but Waller may be that main focal point again, at least in 2020. Now, 2021 may be a different story. You really like those young guys if Gruden can get it going, if Carr can make a little bit of a step forward, or if Mariota comes out and actually is, you know, their version of Ryan Tannehill, where, you know, he displaces the starter and becomes a star. The Raiders have a lot of cool things going for them, but Waller may be the 2020 way to play it. 
yeah, certainly when you're in round four, you're going to be looking at a number of guys. Oh, I thought the interesting thing about your draft here, you talked about Sanders. He actually went later in my draft than in yours. Was Deshaun Watson a consideration? How close was that for you? Watson, someone who has scored very well in this particular format, would have addressed that early QB issue for you, gotten you a guy who maybe is going to be in that top tier and even with the loss of deandre hopkins there are some encouraging possibilities in houston certainly a fuller could stay healthy but a couple of those guys they've added maybe the depth helps replace him watson no longer feels like everything has to go through hopkins uh, can sort of emerge come into his own and talking about a guy who's already a star but maybe takes even that next step in 2020 yeah and looking at the the two drafts it's actually interesting to look at in your draft deshaun watson was qb4 at pick 111 so at the end of the first round dak prescott in that draft was uh qb6 um just looking here at the 207 spot and they basically flipped positions in, in my draft so we had dak prescott at qb3 at pick number 109 and then deshaun watson round two pick 208 so it's amazing to see the the differences between the drafts now uh, i was very very tempted to go with deshaun watson at that point i didn't think uh you know i wasn't sure if sanders would get there and then chubb was the pick and mixon was the two picks in front of me i, I was hoping that maybe breeze or wilson would have fell down and it was very very close on the the decision call i actually was linking in with a couple of guys in the, the road of his slack um hassan was in there we had a couple of discussions with devon mcintyre as well and we kind of thought that maybe with the the strategy was planned for the rest of the draft that uh, going running back there might be the the smartest way to go i know i know you're thinking of uh, holding off quite a bit for uh, running back moving forward my intention was to get one of those running backs in uh, the second round if there was somebody i liked available and then hold off considerably throughout the rest of the draft like we're getting into a zone here where i, I really am a huge fan of the, the the running backs in this format kind of between round uh three all the way down to round seven i think there's gonna be a gap there there's only one guy really in it that i would have uh, a huge interest in this format and drafting is probably kareem hunt and i think that he's going a little bit above where his adp should be based on kind of we're all expecting him to, to have a pretty good season from a pass catching point of view so i'm pr- planning on holding off there so my thoughts was that i could uh, navigate then maybe get a quarterback in round three or round four i didn't know if Ertz would make it all the way back to me so i was very happy when that happened um, and then my plan was to kind of try and get the quarterback maybe in round four then go heavy wide receiver uh, between rounds five through kind of rounds eight i think there's just a huge amount of wide receivers in that range that i think we'll be we'll be very happy to pick up i think when we're talking about it on next week's shows uh, i think we're going to see that we have probably picked up quite a stash of wide receivers through those kind of four or five rounds so that was my thought was to, to pick up one core running back and then to, to work through the rest of it so almost like a if it was a redraft format i was thinking of it as a kind of a modified zero rb get that first round running back and then uh pile up on the wide receivers throughout that but in this case obviously because of the the rules and the the point scoring uh, i went with the two tight ends around that running back so it kind of makes it look a little bit different but that was my thought process there uh, very very close for the shot watson i'm going to get your thoughts now sean before we wrap up i'm one pick away from uh, my next pick so going to see what your strategy might be um the last two picks have been josh allen the quarterback 11 going off the board at 402 
Aaron Rodgers uh, going off the board at 403. So we have the 404, and then I'm up at the 405. Uh, I had possibly thought about Rodgers, but, um, you know, just I, I've talked about it a lot of times a better NFL quarterback than a fantasy quarterback throughout the majority of his uh, career. Uh, the player that I'm quite interested in here, and I'm interested in your thoughts on, uh, he is going a little bit later when we look at ADP, but it's Matthew Stafford. Uh, I, I'm quite interested in him in this format. What's your thoughts on where I should be targeting moving forward here? Obviously, I have all the wide receiver options that you would have had. I've talked about not really liking the running back options that are at this point. Um, Darren Waller is there if, if you want me to follow up and, and take the same strategy as yourself. But uh, what would be your thoughts there? Uh, quarterbacks available at this point would be Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Daniel Jones. They're kind of the next three in terms of in terms of ADP. Uh, those that's an interesting choice and matthew stafford is one of the players i'm looking at a little bit later hopefully he will fall both because there are such extreme differences between his 2018 and 2019 seasons in terms of performance but also in terms of offensive style if we could be sure that the lions were set with their offense that they played with stafford last year before he was injured then i think he's a very intriguing pick they have a lot of guys in there now kenny galladay the true star we've talked about hawkinson as being someone ready to step up and take some of that volume away from maybe their riskier players they have more running backs now to be the underneath threat certainly with swift and carry on johnson you hope that at least one of those two players can stay healthy for decent chunks of the season give you that explosive dump off option stafford someone i think who has always been underrated as an nfl player because it seemed like it was volume and calvin johnson that was doing it for him that he had all of these flaws when in fact i believe the case is that he is carrying his team in so many different situations would calvin johnson have been able to do those same types of things with a lower end qb i think that's questionable now you know what if you been able to do those kinds of things with patrick mahomes or drew Brees or someone like that obviously but matthew stafford not in that tier but also not in that group that i think some people were looking to put him in at certain points in his career he scored great numbers last year i think that if you could just have more confidence in this detroit co- coaching staff he would be a good pick in this range it is interesting though that you have some other options you have tom brady who it has gone right in this range in my draft i don't know how many more chances you would get to have him but someone else who has that drew breezish profile hasn't scored well the last couple of years with how things declined in new england so you have to ask yourself that question of how much of that was brady how much of that was the weapons and just the unfortunate uh, injuries that they had to some of their receivers knocking down the continuity is he going to be that drew breezish type player now that he has those weapons in tampa bay i do think that it makes sense for you to potentially address the position in this round not get too much deeper you probably will have to take more guys play the matchups if you wait much longer at qb yeah that's that's my thought process i think if you wait at this point you know my pick would be between brady and stafford i think i probably just lean stafford uh, a little bit but if you're looking at avoiding them then you're getting into kind of uncertain territory you know scott talked last week about some of the games jared goff has had in this format he's kind of in that range ryan Tannehill, kirk cousins ben roethlisberger you're into a range of kind of uncertainty 
Uh, and then obviously if you get below that then you're into you know players like a Minshew who we talked about earlier in the show so I think targets that I'll have I, I think it's certainly going to be quarterback for me here and then I think I'm going as I mentioned heavy at wide receiver and I think then I'm going to target one of those quarterbacks in that range of a, a Jimmy Garoppolo, Garden Minshew, Derek Carr they're kind of going off the board then and that kind of ninth ten. 910 range um i think that's kind of the process i think if you, if i leave it this round and it comes back to a situation where you know there's a little bit of a run on quarterbacks you're really into some uh <laughs> some territory that you mightn't want to be in so um i think having that that quarterback there is the, the way i'll go but we'll be talking more about that on next week's show as we let the draft kind of simmer see how things go but we will be back with another show later this week lots of good stuff to talk about on that really looking forward to diving into more topics with sean and um, focusing uh throughout a number of uh, topics that are up on the website so that'll be coming out on thursday if you have enjoyed the show make sure you subscribe please give us a written and a review on your favorite podcast app helps us a lot here uh, to gain new listeners gain new audience and uh, help grow the podcast and the podcast network much appreciated uh, if you can share it on social media uh, appreciate every tweet every uh, comment that comes our way and until we're back with another show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over ireland my co-host is sean siegel sean has a number of pieces coming out this week and we'll be talking a little bit more about those on the show later in the week make sure you're checking them out on rotoviz.com until then have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotoviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz with a discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast this is brandon kelly the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair, Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.